When you've been classified as a patient who has recovered from COVID-19, what does that mean? The answer isn't that simple because months after being discharged from the hospital, after being treated and being cleared of the virus, some COVID-19 survivors are still suffering from long COVID, a condition characterized by symptoms such as chronic fatigue, shortness of breath, and brain fog. For these people, things that could easily be done before, such as showering or speaking, are now exhausting. Again, we're talking months after already being declared recovered. In this B-Side episode, Business World reporter Patricia B. Mirasol speaks with Dr. Karen Wildey, an intensive care physician based in Australia and principal investigator of the AfterCore study, an international two-year research program on the long-term outcomes of COVID-19 ICU survivors. Dr. Wildey compares the novel coronavirus to a chameleon that attacks every organ in the body. Your brain, your heart, your lungs, everything. Maybe you can tell me more about the post-COVID study. We know that the most severely sick people you find on intensive care, of course. And we know that survivors from other severe diseases like sepsis or acute lung failure that needed a lot of support, any kind of shock, that they have long-term disabilities um, that can be um, cognitive They often struggle with mental health, anxiety, depression, PTSD, so post-traumatic stress disorder is described. But very often they have functional um, disabilities like pulmonary, renal, gastrointestinal, etc. There's a a very broad spectrum of long-term disabilities that has been described in the ICU population. And we know from patients that had COVID-19 and had not been admitted to an ICU that they struggle with post-COVID. So there's data from the UK and from the USA as well that suggests that it might be as high as up to 5 to 15% of patients post-COVID that struggle with long COVID symptoms. How long this is going to take if they might recover within a year or two years or 10 years, we don't know that yet. Uh, only a year and a half into the pandemic. But the number seems to be quite big um, of people that are struggling with long COVID and will be struggling in the future. So the aftercore study is following up patients post-COVID and post-intensive care and is looking at pretty much every biological system. So we're looking at mental health, cognitive disabilities, We're looking at respiratory symptoms, cardiac symptoms. We do respiratory function tests. We take blood samples to look at the biochemistry and full blood count panel. If there's anything that is not quite normal there, we do imaging with conventional chest X-ray pretty much every three months. And we do a CT, a chest scan at six months if the patient had one while they were on ICU. We do cardiac imaging at 6, 12, and 24 months if the patients had that while they were on ICU. And we do a six-minute walking test as this is a very good instrument to discover very slight um, pulmonary derangements. So it's very extensive, the follow-up we do, and it pretty much covers all organ systems. 
The follow-ups are planned at 3, 6, 12, 18, and 24 months post-hospital um, discharge. And with that, we hope to gain a very comprehensive understanding of what's going on with long COVID and which patients are most affected. The study is international because it's not a one country, one site study. We hope that we get a quite good overview of what is long COVID like and what do these people suffer most in long term in a very international um, approach. You don't have any study site in the Philippines? No. I mean, that would be great um, if we had one, but so far we don't. I was watching a Deutsche Welle feature, and according to them, one of the worst effects of long-term COVID is chronic fatigue syndrome. We have nine active sites at the moment that are um, enrolling patients, but we don't have enough data yet to prove that, because ideally you would have 200 followed up up to one year. But from other studies from the US specifically, and also the UK, that um, is doing a very comprehensive and a very broad follow-up with millions of participants in the NHS. Um, We know that post-COVID or long COVID often seems to manifest like other post-viral syndromes as a chronic fatigue um, syndrome. It's quite peculiar with COVID that it is such a chameleon, it can pretty much affect every organ system. It seems to have a high affinity to the brain and the nervous system, but in the end, it can affect every organ system long term. So we don't really understand the mechanism of that yet. Do you think that vaccinations will help reduce the likelihood of long term COVID? There is first data that shows that they do, that the likelihood can be reduced potentially up to 50%. That's quite promising. We collect this data as well when we learned that. The vaccination status is um, related to the prevalence or the severity of post-COVID. We started collecting the data on people's vaccination status as well. It will be interesting to correlate those. Does the different variants have a factor in, you know, long COVID? Like, for instance, if a patient has the Delta variant, will that patient suffer long-term COVID more than someone who just has the Alpha variant? We had a look into that just recently because we were curious about it. We collected data about which variant um, as well, Um, but there's no data yet that will tell you that. How soon can you say definitively if chronic fatigue syndrome is the worst effect of long-term COVID, if, you know, chronic fatigue syndrome is caused by the immune system and so on? Like, we have to wait like a year a year, yeah, probably. Yeah. I mean, this study is very work intensive. We ask a lot from our collaborators. They have to do a lot of tests, many assessments. Um, they spend a long time with these patients every three months. So we really, really ask a lot. So we hope that within one year, we'll have um, a big enough patient population that we have a better overview. What is the organ system that is most affected? You have to say that the quality of life or how every individual defines quality of life is very individual as well. So it could be that a patient has a severely disturbed pulmonary function still after 12 months post-hospital discharge, but the worst symptom for them, the symptom that is troubling them most 
could be a totally different one. So this is very subjective, but I'm expecting that if, for example, a, a patient has a severely impaired pulmonary function still after six or 12 or even 24 months, that they will um, express that with dyspnea, which might be troubling them because they won't be able to go back to the life they led before COVID, to the exercise they could do or the activities they could do before COVID. So that will be an impairment in um, the quality of life, directly health-related. And from a socioeconomic point of view, post-COVID is going to cost a lot. So if you just imagine that, let's say, conservatively, 5% of the British population has a post-COVID syndrome and therefore people are not able to go back to work as they used before, that is going to cost a lot um, to all societies. And I think the real extent of that um, we don't see yet. And that concludes another episode of B-Side. Once again, you heard Karen Wilde, an intensive care physician based in Australia and principal investigator of the Aftercore study an international two-year research program on the long-term outcomes of COVID-19 ICU survivors. Dr. Wilde explained the chameleon-like nature of the coronavirus to Business World reporter Patricia B. Marisol. In the Philippines and other parts of the world, COVID-19 cases are going down and restrictions are loosening. But we have to remain vigilant. There is still so much we don't know about this virus and it may take years before we get a better understanding of what kind of damage it can do to our bodies. This B-Side episode was edited and mixed by Paolo L. Lopez. This is Samuel Marcelo. Thanks for listening.